Part one of chapter two of XYZ A Detective Story by Anna Katherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Part one of chapter two The Black Domino. At half past eight I was at my post. The mysterious stranger, still under my direct surveillance, had already entered the grounds and taken his stand in the southwest corner of the shrubbery thereby leaving me free to exercise my zeal in keeping the fences and gates free of intruders at nine the guests were nearly if not all assembled and promptly at the hour mentioned in the note so often referred to i stole away from my post and hid myself amid the bushes that obscured the real place of rendezvous it was a retired spot eminently fitted for a secret meeting the lamps which had been hung in profusion through the grounds had been studiously excluded from this quarter even the broad blaze of light that poured from the open doors and windows of the brilliantly illuminated mansion sent no glimmer through the broad belt of evergreens that separated this retreat from the open lawn beyond all was dark all was mysterious all was favourable to the daring plan i had undertaken in silence i awaited the sound of approaching steps my suspense was of short duration. In a few moments I heard a low rustle in the bushes near me, then a form appeared before my eyes, and a man's voice whispered, Is there anyone here? My reply was to glide quietly into view. Instantly he spoke again, this time with more assurance. Are you ready for a counterfeit? I am ready for anything, I returned in smothered tones hoping by thus disguising my voice to lure him into a revelation of the true purpose of this mysterious rendezvous but instead of the explanations i expected the person before me made a quick movement and i felt a domino thrown over my shoulders draw it about you well he murmured there are lynx eyes in the crowd to-night and while i mechanically obeyed he bent down to my ear and earnestly continued now listen and be guided by my instructions you will not be able to enter by the front door as it is guarded and you cannot pass without removing your mask but the window on the left-hand balcony is at your service it is open and the man appointed to keep intruders away has been bribed to let you pass once inside the house join the company sans ceremonie and do not hesitate to converse with any one who addresses you by the countersign promptly at ten o'clock look around you for a domino in plain black when you see him move follow him but with discretion so that you may not seem to others to be following sooner or later he will pause and point to a closed door notice that door and when your guide has disappeared approach and enter it without fear or hesitation you will find yourself in a small apartment connecting with a library there is but one thing more to say if the wine-glass you will observe on the library-table smells of wine you may know your father has had his nightly potion and has gone to bed but if it contains nothing more than a small white powder you may be certain he has yet to return to the library and that by waiting you will have the long-wished-for opportunity of seeing him and pausing for no reply my strange companion suddenly thrust a mask into my hand and darted from the circle of trees that surrounded us for a moment i stood dumbfounded at the position in which my recklessness had placed me 
all the folly the impertinence even of the proceeding upon which i had entered was revealed to me in its true colours and i mentally inquired what could have induced me to thus hamper myself with the details of a mystery so entirely removed from the serious matter i had in charge resolved to abandon the affair i made a hasty attempt to disengage myself from the domino in which i had been so unceremoniously enveloped but invisible hands seemed to restrain me a vivid remembrance of the tone in which these final instructions had been uttered returned to my mind and while i recognized the voice as that of hartley benson i also recognized the almost saturnine intensity of expression which had once before imbued his words with a significance both forcible and surprising the secret if a purely family one was of no ordinary nature and at the thought i felt my old interest revive all the excuses with which i had hitherto silenced my conscience recurred to me with fresh force and mechanically donning my mask i prepared to follow out my guide's instructions to the last detail the window to which i had been directed stood wide open through it came the murmur of music and the hum of gay voices visions of a motley crowd decked in grotesque costumes passed constantly before my eyes sight and sound combined to allure me hurrying to the window i stepped carelessly in a low guttural howl at once greeted me it was from a mask in full indian costume whom i saw leaning with a warrior's well-known dignity against the embrasure of the window by which i had entered giving him a scrutinizing glance i came to the conclusion he was a young and not inelegant man and impelled by a reasonable curiosity as to how i looked myself i cast my eyes down upon my own person i found my appearance sufficiently striking the domino in which i was wrapped was of a brilliant yellow hue covered here and there with black figures representing all sorts of fantastic creatures from hobgoblins of a terrible type to mary kate greenaway silhouettes hm thought i it seems i am not destined to glide unnoticed amid the crowd the first person who approached me was a gay little shepherdess aha was the sportive exclamation with which she greeted me here is one of my wandering sheep and with a laugh she endeavoured to hook me to her side by means of her silver crook but this blithesome puppet possessed no interest for me so with a growl and a bound i assured her i was nothing more than a wolf in sheep's clothing and would eat her up if she did not run away at which she gaily laughed and vanished and for a moment i was left alone but only for a moment a masked lady whom i had previously observed standing upright and solitary in a distant corner of the room now approached and taking me by the arm led me eagerly to one side oh joe she whispered is it you how glad i am to have you here and how i hope we are going to be happy at last fearing to address a person seemingly so well acquainted with the young man whose place i had usurped i merely pressed with most perfidious duplicity the little hand that was so confidingly clasped in mine it seemed to satisfy her for she launched at once into ardent speech oh joe i have been so anxious to have you with us once again hartley is a good brother but he is not my old playmate then father will be so much happier if you only succeed in making him forget the past 
Seeing by this that it was Miss Carrie Benson with whom I had to deal, I pressed the little hand again, and tenderly drew her closer to my side. That I felt all the time like a villain of the blackest dye, it is quite unnecessary for me to state. "'Has hardly told you just what you are to do,' was her next remark. "'Father is very determined not to relent, and has kept himself locked in his library all day, for fear you should force yourself upon his presence.' I could never have gained his consent to give this ball if I had not first persuaded him it would serve as a means to keep you at a distance, that if you saw the house thronged with guests, natural modesty would restrain you from pushing yourself forward. I think he begins to distrust his own firmness. He fears he will melt at the sight of you. He has been failing this last year, and— A sudden choke stopped her voice. I was at once both touched and alarmed— touched at the grief which showed her motives to be pure and good, and alarmed at the position in which I had thrust myself to the apparent detriment of these same laudable motives. Moved by a desire to right matters, I ventured to speak. And do you think, I whispered, in purposely smothered accents, that if he sees me he will relent? I am sure of it. He yearns over you, Joe, and if he had not sworn never to speak to you again, he would have sent for you long ago. Hartley believes, as well as I, that the time for reconciliation has come. And is Hartley, I ventured again, not without a secret fear of the consequences, really anxious for reconciliation? Oh, Joe, can you doubt it? Has he not striven from the first to make father forget? Would he encourage you to come here tonight? furnish you with a disguise, and consent to act both as your champion and adviser, if he did not want to see you and father friends again. You don't understand, Hartley. You never have. You would not have repelled his advances so long if you had realized how truly he had forgiven everything and forgotten it. Hartley has the pride of a person who has never done wrong himself, but even pride gives way before brotherly affection, and you have suffered so much and so long. Poor Joe. So, so, thought I. Joe is then the aggressor, and for a moment I longed to be the man I represented, if only to clasp this dear little sister in my arms and thank her for her goodness. You are a darling, I faintly articulated, inwardly determined to rush forthwith into the garden, hand over my domino to the person for whom it was intended, and make my escape from a scene which I had so little right to enjoy. But at this instant an interruption occurred which robbed me of my companion, but kept me effectually in my place. A black domino swept by us, dragging Miss Benson from my side, while at the same time a harsh voice whispered in my ear, To counterfeit wrong, when one is right, necessarily opens one to misunderstanding. End of part one of chapter two.